Okay, let's hope that's recording. So what a privilege it is to be with you guys. Um, so good to, to see your faces and be here. The last time we were here, I think, was uh, towards the end of last year, and things have changed drastically. I see the tables have had to be moved out and chairs are moved in, and, and that's exciting. And it's a privilege for us. Uh, first of all, I need to thank you for sending Joe and Kath. We've had them with us. They've ministered brought incredible life into the context of our church. And what a, a blessing it is that you guys have been faithful in sending them. And it's a privilege for us to, to be sent by our guys to be a part of what you guys are doing here. And that's the joys of partnership in the gospel. So we, we are grateful for that. Uh, this morning, Mally shared a, a scripture with me and it's from Habakkuk 1 verse 5. And it says, Look among the nations and see... Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told. And as I went and looked at this, I just felt there was something of that that God wants to, to encourage you with. And as an introduction to this, that there's something that God wants to do with this church in this place as he's planted a lampstand here. And this morning as we were praying, I was reminded of the fact that I believe there were people who walked upon these streets crying out for God to bring a church to this place. The Bible says that when Jesus saw the crowd, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he says to his disciples, cry earnestly to the God of the harvest to send out workers for the harvest is plentiful, but the, the, the laborers are few. And I just had a sense that there were people who have been prophesying over this church for years. That there have been people who have been walking these streets crying out and saying, Lord, there's a harvest here, but we need workers. And I know for us, we, we went to a meeting a while ago, and there's a, a couple by the name of Kenny and Maureen LaRue, who told us when we met them that 27 years ago, they had walked the land where we have planted, prophesying a church and crying out and saying, Lord, let there be a church in this place. We feel there needs to be something. And we've walked into the fruits of those prophetic declarations back then. And I just feel that there's something of that, an honoring of what God's doing here. This church is not a coincidence. It's not a church where has just kind of stumbled upon and we've kind of found ourselves here and saying, Lord, let us be the best we can with what we've got to work with because we've found ourselves in this place. God's gone ahead and planned for this church to be here and for you guys to be a part of what God's doing. And as you've come here, as you've been drawn, as there's something in your heart for this, there's a purpose and a plan that comes with it. And the thing I love about the kingdom of God is he gave his life for us so that we can live for him. With our royal identity comes a royal responsibility and we have the privilege of being workers in the harvest. This morning, it was quite an incredible thing. Just as we were driving here and just before we got to crossing the highway to come into Kalani, I just had a heaviness come upon me and I started to, to get quite emotional. And as we were praying, I realized it was coming into the sphere of influence of this church. As we started driving in, God started doing something. The GPS took me to the wrong coordinates. Uh, Joe sent me the, the, the link to how to get here and it took me to a place and it was quite amazing because the place it took me to was before this church was planted. One day, Joe and I came to pray over this church. And it took me to the parking lot where him and I stood and cried out over this place. God's gone ahead and he's doing something here. We drove through the apartment blocks and we saw the, the ripeness of the harvest. 
we have a culture of people who are desperately awaiting the Messiah in this place. And God's placed a lampstand to present the Messiah to those who are desperate to see the fullness of who he is. So this morning, as I was... As I just uh, used my opportunity while it presents itself, but as we were praying, I just uh, really, I saw a picture of a white building and there's quite a few beautiful buildings around here. And um, somehow on the TV this weekend, there was a documentary about the White House and all these pathways, secret pathways underneath this building. And I just felt I, I, I was reminded of, what, uh, of that documentary. And I feel like God is going to give you guys secret ways, very personal, um, specific ways to reach the lost here. Um, that it won't be um, people coming and telling you, you know what worked for us, you should use this strategy. I feel it's going to be such personalized strategies and um, uh, ways that God's going to give you guys to reach the people in this area. And with that, I was reminded of recently with all the rains that were happening, my mom sent me a video of so in Sondela um, of these puddles forming all around Sondela. And in the middle of nowhere, the kids were catching fish that looked like a barbel um, just in water puddles. And I feel like it's, it's that sort of thing where, where it's un, unsuspected. You will find people that you're going to be drawing in and gathering in. And as much as it's a word for, for Joe and Kath as they lead the church, I think it's important for everyone to hear that as a, as a church, as a community, you guys are responsible and um, given this, this uh, word and these strategies to reach people around you. So I really feel that God's got a prophetic message for us this morning. And even as I was driving and I started crying, I was saying, Lord, what is it that you have? I think that's the beauty of apostolic input is that you get to bring a message that God gives that just comes to exhort, to lift up, to build, to edify. And the Bible says that prophecy does that. It builds the church. It stirs the church. It encourages the church. And we are not workers on the ground here. And yet we get to have the privilege of speaking into that. And we trust that this morning there will be a stirring. There will be a, an igniting that happens. And I heard a statement this week that the Holy Spirit is not a blessing from God. He is God. And, and something of that has shaken me because I've often reduced the power of God to being a blessing from God and not recognizing that He is God. There's a difference between omnipresence, God is everywhere, to manifest presence, God is here. And this morning we've experienced something of the presence of God, the sweetness of worship, the prophetic words coming through. And even just as, as Marisa and Lee shared prophetic words, it's amazing how both of them are evidence in my notes of things that I was wanting to say that come through about the protection of our minds, about taking off the outer garments, being prepared for the, the newness the Bible says that um, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. And I find it's ironic when Pentecost happened, the, the apostles were being mocked saying, oh, is this new wine? Yes, it is new wine. Do you realize what is happening in your midst? And there was a readiness and an expectation by them. So if we can turn to Acts 2, I'm going to go throughout Acts in, in, in where I'm preaching. But I want to start at verse 16. And this is the portion of scripture that Peter reads 
in Pentecost, as the, the Holy Spirit starts to, to manifest amongst the people, and he starts to quote scripture out of the passage of Joel. And it says from verse 16, In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to be blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to say the manifest presence of God is not just here to make us feel good about ourselves. It's not just here to make us feel all nice and tingly and we walk out and we leave unchanged. The manifest presence of God comes to restore, to redeem, to release, to break over, to equip, to call, to commission, so that we can see those who are desperate to cry out in the name of the Lord be saved. There's a purpose in why the Spirit reveals Himself. Goes on to say in that passage that Peter, when he was speaking to the people, that they were cut to the heart. The same Peter that denied Jesus, the same Peter that hid away in the time when he was destined to stand forward, came through and something shifted in that man's life. And he was released upon the earth with a supernatural anointing. And it says there that the crowds were cut to the heart. And 3,000, I think it was, were added to their number that day because there was a purpose in the outpouring of Holy Spirit. Now, we don't have to rely on another Pentecost. Pentecost came and there was a purpose for that, but the Holy Spirit hasn't gone. But we can be expectant for a fresh outpouring upon us, a fresh outpouring upon this church, a fresh outpouring upon this area where something happens and the multitudes are cut to the heart. And that's our desire for this. So I felt God give a word to, to this church. And it comes out of Jeremiah 1 verse 17. The context of this, this is where Jeremiah starts to get his commission from God. God starts speaking over Jeremiah. He's hesitant. He's saying, Lord, I think you're kind of finding the wrong person. I'm but a child. I don't know how to speak. God speaks over him. Don't worry. I'll put my words in your mouth. As he's hesitant as to his value, God starts emphasizing his own value and says, it's not about your value. It's about my value. And you go and say what I command you to say, because I am with you, declares the Lord. But then it goes on to say in verse, seven, uh, in verse 17, But you, but you, Redemption Family Church, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. This is verse 19. Sorry, I've skipped a verse there. Verse 19, they will fight against you. They shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. In yesteryear, the word work in church was kind of taboo because we had so many teachings of you had to earn your salvation. You work for the love of God. You work to try and become good and righteous so that we can be accepted by him. But the, the reality is, is that Jesus died so that we might have life in him. But with that 
comes the responsibility. The work is on the other side of our salvation. It's not before our salvation. It's us, our relationship with God, and the incredible byproduct is the privilege of being called to be effective for Him. And I feel that God's saying, you guys prepare yourself for work. Get ready for work because there's work on the horizon. I've got things in store, wonders that if I had to tell you now, you would not believe me. But ready yourself. Get prepared. And this comes for me out of the the fact that I believe that God's going to be pouring out more of his manifest presence in this place. A freshness and newness of the Holy Spirit. In the last days, it's not just once off, there's 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 something of a present continuation to say that there's going to be this outpouring and, and there's going to be incredible things that manifest as a result of it. So what do we need to do to be ready for this outpouring? Acts 2 verse 1 to 4. Now we know that Jesus, Acts 1-8, started promising the Holy Spirit. He started getting the guys ready. He said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There was an expectation for outpouring that was created. In Acts 2 verse 1 to 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. They were expectant and they were gathered. The church came together. There was a unity and a gathering. It says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. The word wind is pneuma. If you look in Old Testament and New Testament, Old Testament, the word for wind or breath or spirit is ruach. Same word in New Testament, pneuma, spirit, wind, breath. Holy Spirit comes like a wind, rushing wind. It says, and it filled the entire house and they, that they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now we receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but there's something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's different. I heard it described recently as one thing to drink a glass of water and say there's water within us. It's another thing to dive in the ocean. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit dwell within us through salvation and submerging ourselves in Him and being in Him. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So they were gathered and they were expectant. We see another a kind of manifestation of the Spirit in Acts 4, from verse 29 to 31. And it says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats. The church was being persecuted, so they're crying out. It says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. There was a purpose in why they were praying for the Holy Spirit. They were facing persecution and they desired a greater boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through your name, holy, oh, your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. So they were expectant, they were gathered, they prayed, they were facing opposition. They were on mission. There was a purpose in what they were doing. They were desiring to see more of God so that they can see the church start to spread. And they honor and glorify Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit cannot help but be present and evident when we glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit came when Jesus was glorified because he comes to bring glory to him. So as Jesus was exalted, so the Holy Spirit came and was poured out and brings glory to him. So how do we prepare ourselves? Let's be expectant for what God is doing. Let's gather, continue to get together. Let us not neglect prayer. Let us not shy away from facing opposition. Passage of scripture in Jeremiah that I read to you, it says, They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Opposition is evidence of the fact that we are doing what God has called us to do. And let us never, ever, ever compromise on honoring Jesus. The darling of heaven crucified. He is the one and the only, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we honor Jesus, so incredible things happen. It's our privilege to share the gospel message. I've been reading a book on uh, longevity in ministry. And there's a lot of incredible things that this guy says. But the one tone that comes through every time, he says, you've got to learn to accept the gospel that you present to others. We've got to continually go back and accept the gospel that we present to others. So as I was driving, asking God, Lord, what is it that you want to share with this church? I was sitting in stop-start traffic, and the traffic's been a bit hectic with some of the roads being washed away. And I found myself sitting on a bridge over the Umshlali River out in Belito. We had just experienced hectic flooding and incredible devastation. And as I was sitting on the, on the bridge, I felt God start sharing some prophetic things that came as a result of the flooding. And the first one was that the, the riverbanks were broken. On this particular bridge, I'd never actually seen the water below because there was dense vegetation. Anything was a little trickle. And the river at that stage when I was there was probably about two to three hundred meters wide. And I felt God say that in normal time, Riverbanks direct the water. In the time of flood, water direct the riverbanks. And I felt God say that when there's this outpouring of Holy Spirit, it's going to break the limitations we impose on Him. The river doesn't get smaller. The boundaries don't get bigger when there's an outpouring. The limitations get taken away and He starts to manifest in incredible ways. The other thing is a lot of the trees that were there were gone. Where that was dense forest it was wide open space. And I felt God say that he's going to uproot the things that are not rooted in him. Those things that are not rooted in the fullness of what he's doing will be removed. John 15 talks about this saying that he'll cut back the branches that aren't producing fruits and he will prune back the branches that are for greater fruitfulness. And I just think there's something of that when, when there's this flood of what God's doing. The things that are not rooted in him are immaterial and they just get washed away. As I was driving along the road, there were containers, 40-foot containers scattered along the road. They had broken through walls. They had broken through fences. The water in its rage had picked up these containers and scattered them. And the force was, was tremendous. But I felt God saying that he's going to destroy the things we've held on to that he's asked us to release. The things that we've maybe let go of but we've stored in the background for just in case. The what happens if... That he wants to take these things and destroy them. 
the one bridge that we travel over, we can't travel over anymore because the bridge has shifted. The whole bridge moved like half a meter that it, it shifted and they've had to decommission the bridge because of the amount of water. And I felt God saying that he's going to move bridges and destroy roads. And that in this season, he's going to cha change the way in which we reach people. And Shanae just spoke about the fact that he wants to bring a unique strategy here. The vision does not change. Our mission and our mandate has never changed. Even through COVID, even when the church was being shaken, the mission and the mandate has not shifted. But the strategy does. And I feel that Holy Spirit wants to bring a new and divine strategy to impact this community because you've been placed here with a purpose for these people so that they can come to the knowledge of the Messiah. There were certain groups of people that were cut off from others. I was sharing with Jamie how there was this one area where there was a mudslide and it took a, a section of Mshloti away and there was a portion of people that were completely taken, just isolated. Um, and I feel that in the times of stillness and dependency on Jesus come from wilderness seasons. Times where we see it throughout scripture, just being in the wilderness. It was in the wilderness that um, Elijah in the cleft of the rock sees the mighty wind, sees the fire, and then hears the gentleness of the whisper and comes out and he says, yes, Lord. So in the gentleness of the whisper, in the times of stillness, we get to hear the sound of God's voice. As I was sitting on the bridge, I looked up to the left and I saw a Hindu temple that I had never seen before. I've driven that road hundreds of times in the last year and I've never seen this temple. But because of the number of trees that had been moved, the temple had been exposed. And I feel that Holy Spirit wants to expose things that have been hidden. We see this of the story of Gideon in, in Judges 7. He has this encounter with the Lord and he goes and he, he builds this temple or this, this altar to the Lord saying, the Lord is here. And the Lord doesn't mention the altar that was built to him. He says, but let's go to your father's house. And there was an altar built to Baal. And he says, destroy that altar. Kill the, the two bulls. Build it the way that I've asked you to build it. And that was the one that was given attention. It's quite funny. It's a complete sidetrack. But I read it this morning and I just chuckled as to how when the people saw that the altar to Baal had been destroyed, they got angry. And Gideon's dad says... Why would you want to fight on his behalf? If he's God, Baal can defend himself. And he brings the people back to the revelation of actually, if he's powerful as you think he is, he can defend himself. Don't, you don't have to fight after his altar has been destroyed. But I do feel that God's going to reveal things where we've allowed them to be elevated to next to Jesus. If they become next to Jesus, they take place of Jesus. There is one Lord. And I feel that the temples will be revealed in this time. And this is not just for us as individuals. It's for us as the church. It's for us as this community. God's doing something. But I believe that temples will be revealed during this time. The things that have been given lordship in our lives. The next thing I felt that God does in, in the time of flood is the integrity of structures and dams are tested. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So attest the integrity of what we are building to ensure that we are building what God's building. It doesn't say that the laborers don't build. It says unless the Lord builds, the laborers labor in vain. So it's not that they don't build, but they build in accordance with what God's doing. Floods test the integrity of the structures to see how well they've been built. 
Why dams? Well, I feel that, that thing of new wine. You can't put old, a new wine into old wineskins because they will break. We have to be ready. Marisa said we've got to take off our outer garments and put on new garments. There's something of that for me which I believe is, is God saying is actually ready yourself to receive what I'm doing. Because the dams that held were the dams that were structurally stable. But those that broke were the ones that hadn't been built correctly. And I feel that there's something of a preparation for the new wineskin because we need to be ready for the new wine. So how do we do this? How do we get ourselves dressed and ready for work? And I'm, I'm going to go through this quickly for the sake of time because I feel that there needs to be something of a response to this. But Ephesians 6 talks about the, the armor of God. My dad-in-law, Henny, made a statement in Kenya recently. Holding ground is as good as losing ground because we've not been called to hold our ground. We've been called to advance. When we get dressed ready for work, Ephesians 6 gives us such a beautiful picture of what it means to clothe ourselves ready for what God is doing. It says there, we're no longer fighting against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And we have, with this armor, the ability to withstand any attack that is placed upon us. goes through the belt of truth. We need to be aware of what the truth is. We, we live in a time where truth is distorted, truth is watered down, and things are presented as truth. I heard a question asked of a gentleman recently and says, is the Bible true? And he makes a, quite a philosophical statement. He says, it's not only true, but it is the precondition for the manifestation of truth. Effectively, it is the standard by which truth is defined. We have access to the absolute truth in the word. Breastplates of righteousness. We need to guard our hearts. Guys, at a time like this, we need to be ready to guard our hearts and be recognize the significance of that. I always ask my girls, what is the characteristic of a leader? This is something that we've instilled with them because it's close to my heart. And it's thick-skinned and soft-hearted. Why? Because we need thick skin so we don't get easily offended and soft hearts so we can still love. Because the converse is we have soft skin and hard hearts. And that's not what God's called us to. So the breastplate of righteousness. Now the thing about righteousness is it's not our own. The enemy comes to bring condemnation and he wants to condemn us from the presence of God. You aren't worthy. You aren't good enough. And he brings us back to our own righteousness, which is fallible and not what God has called us to. And as a result, we draw away from the presence of God. The Holy Spirit brings conviction and says you are righteous because Christ is righteous and draws us into God. And in his presence, we start to see the things that are wrong and we leave more like him, not less like him. The enemy will always want to shift us from the presence of God. But Holy Spirit wants to draw us into the presence of God. Felton challenged me this week. You can't invite people into the presence if you're not ministering from the presence. There will be a people who dwell in the presence of God. Hebrews 4, Hebrews 10 says we have a confidence in approaching the throne by the new way in which Jesus died and created a way for us to enter. It's his righteousness that qualifies us, not our own. Shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Not just shoes of the gospel. Shoes with the readiness of the gospel of peace. God protects our feet to go. We need to be ready to go with this. 
The messengers of the good news need to be prepared to take the good news. When Jesus sent out the, the 12 and the 72, says, walk into a house, greet them with peace. If they don't accept you, shake the dust off your shoes and you move on. But there's something of the readiness in our hearts to go and to do what God's calling us to do. The shield of faith to extinguish all the arrows. The opposite of faith is fear. And the enemy wants to instill fear in us. When you see Nehemiah working on the wall and the enemy comes, he says, I'm not going to be distracted from the Lord's work by what you're saying and meet you in the valley of Ono. Heard a statement says, nothing good happens in the valley of Ono. But Nehemiah recognized that the fear that they wanted to bring was to distract him from what God was doing. The shield of faith extinguishes all arrows and brings us back to a place of faith that we are not succumbed by fear. The helmet of salvation guards our minds and we need to renew our minds daily. Lee mentioned something of that this morning in her prophetic word coming out of uh, Romans 6, I think she read out of. The righteousness that comes. We need to remember these things. We need to put on that helmet of salvation. We need to remind ourselves of the, of the gospel message that we take. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit. It's a double-edged sword and it says there, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. We've come through a season where the church has tried to be divided into Word and Spirit. But the Bible doesn't give us room for that. It's Word and Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. We can't say it is written if we don't know what is written. We need to be dwelling with both of these, carrying both. The incredible anointing that the Holy Spirit brings and the Word that is written. The Bible. We cannot work outside of that. This is our weapon for taking ground. Everything else protects us. But this one here is the weapon that we use to take ground. Let's be a people who love the word. Get back to the word. Spend time in the word. Allow God to speak to us in the word. And from there, we work in the fullness of the anointing that Holy Spirit brings to us. And he releases us. So I want to just pray over us and I want to give us an opportunity to respond. Um, but there's something of this that I feel God saying that he's readying us. You get yourself ready for work. There's a harvest out here that is plentiful. Synagogues, you know, it's another religion that's really 